You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Good morning. I should say great morning. Oh my goodness. You guys are on fire today. So fun worshiping with you. Thank you to the worship team and everybody that contributed today. Our kids church team that's downstairs behind the scenes serving our children today. They're worshiping God there. Our production team backstage and making our online experience happen. Hello to everybody that's online this morning. I just need to say It's a little crazy here in the room, and we wish you were with us, and we'll be so thankful when you can be. And those that are at distance, and you've now made Harvest Your Home Church, and you're in another region, we just thank you for being a part of what's happening, and uh, we bless you today as you're a part of our service. Just before we begin, let's uh, just focus our prayers corporately for the Ukraine right now. Father, we just pray right now. Lord, that you, Jesus, you taught your disciples. You said there would be wars and rumors of wars in the days ending to the, uh, coming up on the end of the age. And we're closer today than we were yesterday, and we know that that day uh, will come. You said that we should be ready. Not ready, being caught up with the concerns, uh, but being ready by making you King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Lord, that focusing our attention on you. Father, we focus our attention on you today. Father, we thank you that the world will see uh, the government, you said, would be on your shoulders. <laughs> the Isaiah prophesied that the government, wonderful counselor, prince of peace, and the government would be on the shoulders of Jesus, not on mankind, but on Jesus. Today, Lord, we pray so much wisdom necessary. So much uh, is necessary, Lord. Far, far smarter people than us today, Lord, need to be involved and are involved. And we pray that you would give them wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Let righteousness prevail. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, thank you for doing that. And I know we're just doing that every day in our own homes. And it's good to do it together. Our verse for this uh, series Uh, We're asking for the ancient paths, and we saw it on the screen. This is what the Lord says. Stop. (laughs) Stop. You've got to stop at the crossroads. That's an area where there's so many different pathways that we could take. And today there are so many, it just seems so many ways that we can walk on. But as Christ followers, Jesus has a way for us to walk on. The ancient paths doesn't mean they're old. It means they're from eternity. So I guess they're old in that sense. But not all because they are, they've been through time, but they are from, they originate in the heart of God from eternity. Travel its path. You will find rest for your souls. You literally will be rejuvenated in your spirit over and over and over. The path of honor we looked at in week one last week, the generational path. And as you heard um, about Pastor Dick and Margo and just Please continue to give next Sunday uh, will be your last opportunity to give in that offering. So let's, uh, let's make sure we come together and honor them. This week I've called it the path of grace, which is ultimately the path we want to walk on. I didn't know what to call this because what I really want to talk about is the opposite path to the path of grace, and that's the path of judgment. And how the path of judgment is so destructive. We just do not want to walk on the path 
of judgment. So I've kind of been doing this in a positive way of, hey, we're going to walk on the path of honor, and hey, we're going to walk the generational path, and hey, we're going to walk on grace, but I'm not going to talk about grace. <laughs> I'm going to talk about judgment so that we can understand how destructive this path really is. Lord, as we've just been acknowledging you in this service, I thank you, Lord, just, just how powerful worship was in our time of connecting with you. As we were singing, I'm tired of hiding. I felt like somebody in this room was making that declaration to you and was saying to you today, I'm going to run into the open. I'm going to run into your arms of love today, God. And Lord, I'm thankful for those that even at the end of this service, it will have opportunity to do that. We'll see people running into the arms of Jesus today. We pray that. Everyone said? All right, so I'm going to set this up. We're going to take two weeks to kind of unpack. Um, We're going to read a couple of verses here, and then we're going to read them from two different Gospels so that we can get an idea and an understanding. And if you've ever noticed, if you're new to the Scriptures, and you notice Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, repeat stories. And really, you can think of it as different newspapers in Jesus' day, eyewitness accounts, and each journalist will capture the thoughts differently. And that's really the perspective we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're going to look at Matthew first. It said, do not judge others, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye? You've got a log in yours. How can you think about saying to your friend, hey, just let me me help you out with that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Let's pick it up in Luke, same story, just different wording. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank that's in yours? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me just help you out with that speck in your eye as you whack them on on the head with the plank that's in yours? I'm paraphrasing a little bit. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and you will see more clearly uh, to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right, let's unpack these ideas, specifically this idea of the pathway of judgment that none of us need to be walking on. And I just need to take some time to kind of Uh, show this path to you, and I think we'll agree it's a really destructive path to walk on. This message, some of you are going to really lean into, and I can absolutely promise you it'll change your life. And I began to give some attention in my own life just a few years ago to the amount of judgment that I was living in, criticism, negativity. And when I began to do the number one in your notes that's at the end of the message, and make a decision to start taking an inventory, judgment inventory of my life, I was appalled at how much judgment was in my life. And the repercussions, I was living in the repercussions of walking the pathway of judgment. I can promise you, if you today, as you listen, take notes next week, will make a decision that you're not going to walk on this path because you recognize how destructive and how life-giving it is to walk the pathway of grace, promise you your life will change. And that's a, that one you can take to the bank because that's a Jesus promise as we're going to see in the scriptures today. So first, I want to talk about 
what, uh, what judgment is so we can clarify. And, and even before we do that, the idea of if we judge, we will be judged. I just want to clarify from the beginning because some of you may have background where somebody said, oh, don't judge because God will get you. Man, he'll zap you. And the more you do it, the more he's going to get you. By the way, we don't serve a God of I'm going to get you. He put his son Jesus, uh, Jesus cooperated with the father. He sacrificed his own son. The Bible, one of the most quoted verses, it's in stadiums all the times. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe. And so Jesus was judged in our place. God hasn't reserved judgment for you. He gave a little bit to Jesus. He's holding back to give some to you when you mess up. No, it all went on Jesus. Say all. There is no judgment left for, uh, for mankind until the end when, like Noah's Ark and the door is closed and the, and, the, and the day of grace is closed. And for those people who didn't avail themselves, then they didn't take the antidote for judgment. They didn't receive what God had put in place. So this verse cannot mean if you judge, God's going to judge you. It's not what it means. And we're going to unpack that as we go, and you'll see that it's judgment from ourselves, a boomerang effect of our own judgment coming back to us, either from us to ourselves or from us to others and their judgment being heaped into our lap, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And we quote that as a financial verse, and its application is there, but the, that idea of good measure pressed down and heaped into your lap is in the context of how we treat other people. So definitely we reap what we sow, and if you pour out kindness and goodness, the Bible says it will come back, kindness and goodness even more. Judgment, criticism, condemnation, even more back into our lap. All right, so what is judgment? Some people get confused when we talk about it. Let's clarify, it's quite simple. Identifying what someone did to me and feeling the pain that it caused is not judgment. When we experience pain from others, from their behavior, we're in pain, ow, that hurts. That's not judgment. That's an observation. You are observing the world you live in, and relationally, um, either someone you know well, uh, and that's where usually there's more pain, or something has happened and you've been judged, um, or, or something, uh, something has just taken place. Behavior, not that you've been judged, but behavior, you're the recipient of it, ow. That's an observation. When we assume why a person did what they did, they did that because they just don't care. I can't believe they didn't answer my text. I always answer my texts. Oh, sure, everything's on your time. Fine, fine. You don't care that I'm all by myself here and I'm trying to reach out to you. You're so cold and selfish. Judgment, 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 judgment. That's not an observation. You gave motivation to the behavior you've entered in the judgment. And that, when we're participating in it, is what the, this verse is telling us what not to do. And we attach motive so quickly, so easily, without even thinking about it, we attach motive to behavior that we are the recipients of, and especially if there's pain, uh, you know, experience with it. Now, we're not supposed to do that because it's impossible for us to know the motive since the Bible says you don't even know your own motives. That, the, that, that our hearts 
even as we become Christ followers, they're under repair and God is transforming us. But there's enough of what we call the old man or the Adam nature that was killed on the cross. But that, it, that, that we're appropriating that. We're, we're living that out each and every day. And the scriptures declare, I can't even know my own heart. Can't trust my own heart. How would you know the heart of another person? This especially shows up in our marriages. And Frank, thanks for praying for marriages today. I really felt like you were ministering to some people uh, in that prayer request. Because we assume we know our partners really well. And we've been living with them. And the longer you, you live with your partner and the more you get to know them, the greater the risk to continue judging them because you feel you know their motivation, why they do what they do. And we tell ourselves, but they're my spouse. I know. I've been living. I've been living. Uh, Christine and I have been married for over 38 years. It'll be 39 years this summer. And part of, thank you, and part of, part of work that we've done in our marriage is laser beaming out the judgment. Because it's so easy to go, I know why you did that. I know why you're being quiet right now. I know why you're angry at me. And I judge because I attach motivation. And it's destructive. It's very destructive to marriages. Let's see where it originates from. Judgment is the, the fruit of judgment. And all of the destruction of judgment it comes from a root system. All right, so the fruit is there, but the root system comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that we discover in Genesis. And so we read Genesis chapter 2, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free. I love just putting a period there. I know it's not in the scriptures, but it's a full thought. Adam living in perfect relationship with God, and he said, you are free. And God's not some kind of egotistical God, some controlling God. He gave Adam free will to come and to go, and they lived uh, in this beautiful love relationship. God would come down and walk in the garden, and he's given instructions, the creator of the universe. Uh, and, and David, the psalmist, said, who am I that you would have a relationship with me? And so God creates man, wants relationship, and I always wonder why, but God is such a loving God, and, and, and I don't understand it, but we receive this relationship. You are free. Say free. That's God's heart for you and for, uh, for me. At Harvest, we say it this way. We want you to know God, and Adam certainly did. We want you to find freedom from the things of the past and live in the freedom of, of the good news of the Scriptures and a relationship with God. We want you to know that you have been born with destiny and discover that and then make a difference with your life in this world. And so Adam's living. This is before the fall. He's living with all of that. But God gives instructions. He says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. There will be death involved. And it's not physical death, but a spiritual death. Because God said, I want you to continue in my relationship with you and I, the tree of life, eternal life that comes from God, that was breathed into Adam. It is breathed into us when we choose to become a Christ follower. And that life, that life from God, that Adam trusted his life with God, and that was the only way to know true life. And God said, if you go, and it's not take a bite of an apple, but if you live in the philosophy of that tree, this tree, you and I, that tree, not you and I, you alone. And you alone is certain death. 
Well, Eve's alone one day, and the serpent comes to talk to her, and he says, you won't certainly die. For God knows that when you eat uh, of that tree, and not to, remember, not take a bite, but eat of the philosophy, enter in and accept that there's another philosophy of life, another way of life, your eyes will be opened. You'll have an eureka. You'll have a revelation. You'll have an awakening. It will be awesome. And then appeal to what Eve wanted deep in her heart. She wasn't rebellious. She wasn't sinful. Sin hadn't entered the world. He appealed to her desire to be godly. You can be godly. You can be just like God, knowing good and evil. Another pathway. You can be just like him, but you don't need him. You can just kind of know he's there, but you don't have to have a relationship with him. You can move from the tree of life and plant yourself over here, and you will know the difference between good and evil, and you can judge. You can judge for yourself what's good and evil. And that'll take you to godliness. And religions for centuries have based religious approaches to God, not, not, a, not the tree of life where you can have a relationship with God, but religious ideas that if you just keep the rules and do enough good, that God will be happy with you. If you do not enough good at the end of your life, it's all tallied up. <clears throat> Sorry, go to hell. Oh, skin your teeth, go to heaven. And people living with this idea, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I just have to get enough good in my life. How many here today realize that you could never get enough good in your life to be like God? And we are separated. Adam and Eve walked away. And so Adam never had to judge good or bad. Listen now, Adam never had bad stuff happen in his life because he'd never eaten of that tree. We don't see him having to be consoled by God because something bad happened. He lived in the presence of God and allowed God to judge what was good or bad and trusted God with the good and bad stuff and said, all is good in my relationship with the Father. But then he decided, I'm going over here, and they partook and lived in the philosophy, we're going to be the judge of that. We'll be the judge of that. And mankind, we are born, the Bible says, in sin, shaping in iniquity. And we're all born living in the idea that there is good and there is bad. And we sit as judge with good and bad. We, we are the ones that decide what is evil and what is good. And we sit in the seat that was only for God. So we know where it originated. The scriptures said, do not judge, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you'll not be condemned. Let's say there's a group of us, and we've all agreed that we're going to go out to the restaurant on Friday, and uh, we're all looking forward to it. Christina especially looks forward uh, to, uh, she's a people person, and loves, she just, that's so life-giving for her. And so as a couple, we've made arrangements. This is fictitious. Follow me with my story. Uh, five or six couples, perhaps. And, and, uh, but Steve and Betty, they, ch- they canceled at the last minute, and they're kind of the organizers. And so once again, this happens all the time. Now we're not going to get to go out. It's Friday. Uh, afternoon, and we get a message from them. Oh, I'm so looking forward to that. I can't believe they canceled again. And they said the kids were sick. Man, that excuse is getting old. I hate it that they blame their kids for everything. I bet they got a better deal and ditched us. They always do this. They never 
Think about their actions and how it affects us. The next time they cancel, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to... And that blank is condemnation. That's the blank you're going to mete out punishment now. Because you've judged the behavior. You're in pain. That's real, remember. The pain is real. But you've attached motivation, and now you've judged. Now you're going to mete out punishment and you're going to decide, I'm never going to talk to them again. Oh, fine. I'm just, we're just, hey, we don't need them. We'll just go hang out with some other people. And that's condemnation. Condemnation to pass sentence and give punishment. Husbands and wives, we do this very well. Well, she hasn't been speaking to me for two days. Why haven't you been speaking to him for two days? I'm mad at him. Uh-huh. He should have known better, selfish, self-centered so-and-so. And now you're punishing him for his behavior. Oh, this is going to get good. All right, here we go. When we judge and we're trying to figure out the why, why am I in pain? This pain I'm feeling. Pain's real. Not denying that. And I try to put a why they did this to me. You did this to me. And then we give it an appropriate punishment. But the point is, we're really, really, really bad judges. And, I mean, like, we suck at this. Because it's not our job. And it's living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not life-giving at all. Its root system is in a system devoid of God, devoid of grace, devoid of love. And we, we say, well, you know, but I still love my husband. Yeah, but, but judgment blocks stuff. We'll look at that next week. James 4.12, God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy so what right do you have to judge your neighbor? So we're recipients of a behavior of another person. It's painful. And in the pain, we judge why the person hurt us. And then we sentence and punish them. But here's the deal. Because we're terrible judges, our reaction, this is so important, our reaction is not based in reality. It's not real. It's not based in reality. It's based on your judgment. Massage that in your brain right now. But it feels so real. I mean, and I know that I've known them for a long time, and they do this all the time, and, 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 and I'm hurting. I'm not denying the reality of your pain, and I have pain, and we live in a world of pain. There is pain in this world. Jesus said offense and pain and difficulty must come. Stop asking why. <laughs> And we're learning as Christ followers to be able to find life from our, our, our Heavenly Father that knows us better than ourselves to begin working some of that stuff out. And you'll see how this unfolds. But you have to get this. This is very, very important. Your reaction is not based in reality. Your reaction is based on your judgment. You're the one who filled in the blank. This is why I'm in pain. Boy, it's quiet in here. And I know this is, listen, 
I know this is challenging to some people, and it's hard because it cuts the grain against, but you don't know what they're doing to me. I understand, but let's let, let's let, let, let this unpack. We base the judgment, we filled in the blank. Years ago, Christine and I were just married, um, and, uh, and uh, we were getting ready to go Christmas shopping, and it was, uh, we were in southwest Ontario in London, and a mall called White Oaks Mall, and uh, there, there was, it was really snowing that night, and so much traffic, last minute shopping, and, and we're going in, and there was a left turn uh, needed, and uh, there was a guy, I could tell, he's trying to figure out, four-way stop, it wasn't a traffic light, people were trying to figure it all out, and, uh, and so I roll down my window, and I wave him, like, I'm, it's like, Merry Christmas. Oh, it's incredible. Like, we're going to go shopping. It's going to be fun. And we had our whole night planned out. It was going to be amazing. It's incredible. Christmas music's on the radio. It's just awesome. It's like, Merry Christmas. Yeah, come on, man. Come on. You go ahead of me. And, and so he goes in, and I thought everything was great until this car, and, and it kind of, I didn't really pay attention, but I recognized it in my rearview mirror following me all over the parking lot as I'm trying to find a parking spot, and they were sparse. And I finally find a parking spot, and this guy closes me in, in behind, and waits for me to come out, begins to uh, uh, aggressively, verbally assault me, and then pops me in the beak and assaults me. And the police came later, and he was charged, and it wasn't really a Merry Christmas kind of a night. As the story unpacked, his side of the story, his reality was I flipped him. I'm not going to do it. I flipped him the bird. And he'd had a really bad day, apparently, and didn't want to be flipped the bird. And his reality was, I was a jerk. And he's going to go tune this jerk in and give him some punishment. And I give that illustration just to say, you go, well, that would never, that would never happen to me. When I get mad at my wife, she deserves it. Like, I know what's going on. That guy, he's dumb. He didn't, re- I mean, way bird. I mean, he's just stupid. No, we're all stupid when we walk on the pathway of judgment. <laughs> Christine and I had dear friends that we connected with when we lived in the United States and there were a number of uh, transplanted Canadians that were living in Messina while we were there and we had this small group and we were the hosts and we used to have fun uh, just secretly getting together as Canadians because um, the Ameri- it's weird in America I just gotta tell you it's weird over there like they, they think they're the only nation on the whole planet and right now that's okay because we need them to help us with Russia and we really want, we're going to play nice with them and, and I love them and I love their tanks and their missiles and I love all that stuff because we need that but, but apart from that they just think like the World Series in baseball isn't played in the world it's played somewhere in the United States, but don't tell them that because they get super angry. And if you tell them that there's somebody else in the world that has more technology, they don't believe you because they are the best. And so we would get together as Canadians sometimes and just go, they're really weird, aren't they? Yes. We love them, but is it us or are they weird? No, they're weird. I know. Well, there was this other American couple that they were, they, they just loved us as Canadians and they were a part of and and they were, we adopted them, and they said, you guys are probably like Canadians at heart. So this kind of relationship, and a number of couples, and, and so we uh, were getting, getting ready, actually, to, to prepare to plant harvest. And so we gathered um, all the Canadians together, and we, we didn't invite them, not any intention at all, just didn't invite them, because 
they weren't a part of what was happening. And um, anyway, we had our dinner, had our evening, and they found out about it and, and weren't talking to us. And it was cold and it was weird. And, and so I finally said, hey, are we okay? And they began to unpack in great pain, feeling rejected and left out of the dinner. And as we started talking about that, it was like they were like a dog with a bone. They couldn't let it go. And as much as I tried to, I just want to share my heart and my intention. I'm so sorry that you're in pain. I'm so sorry you were hurt by that. I, I really am sorry, but my intention was not to hurt you. We didn't intend, but I'm hurting. I can see that, and I'm so sorry for that. And as there was some open space, what began to continue to be divulged was they had experienced throughout their life relational rejection, both as individuals and as a married couple. And their reality cycle loop of the experience was, we get rejected, we get rejected, we get rejected, was something that they lived in. So what's happening is the judgment cycle. When you judge and attend to you attempt to determine the big W, the why, what is your reality based in? Because remember, we're bad judges. We don't know motivation, but we attach it very quickly. And then some people, for the simplest, really, of what could be a very simple thing, they experience huge amounts of pain. It's disproportionate. Why? When you try to determine why a person has hurt you, you give the action a significance in your life. When you fill out the why, and you're doing that with a prescription of your life experiences that, yes, have proven out. None of us want pain. All of us avoid pain. We fear pain, actually, both, both physical and emotional. So what happens when we perceive there could be pain in a relationship? We trust our judgments even more. I lock down even harder. Why? Because at that moment, I'm sitting in the seat. I'm in control of my life. No one's going to hurt me. No one's going to do this to me ever again. And I sit down in the seat of judgment. And I'm not going to allow anybody. And I trust my judgments even more. But the cycle of pain and hurt and turmoil that we can't break out of because we can't see the cycle And what happens is we ingrain, we ingrain and trust our judgment more and more, and we start using words like, they do this every time. You never, all men are bad. Marriage is just bad. You know, I've, people say they have a good marriage, they're lying. I don't believe it. There is no good marriage. Church is bad. I've been to church full of hypocrites. Authority is bad. You can't trust anyone. And we live more and more and more in the cycle of relational pain, and it becomes more and more ingrained. And the cycle is what is meant by the next part of this verse. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and poured in your lap. Because as you, are, as you and me live critical, judgmental, let's just say, husbands, you're coming home, picking on the wives today. You come home, long day at work. Your boss, made you, your boss said you've got to stay. You know your wife's been home all day with the kids. You know we've all done the cycles with COVID. You know that you've got to rescue her, and you're trying to manage in your head, do I make my wife mad? Do I make my boss mad? Who do I make mad? I, I, no matter what happens right now, oh, you text her and say, I have to work a little bit late, and she just kind of gives you an emoji face that you know, oh, crap. And so, so you're trying to work this all out, and, and, uh, and so you come home, and she's looking at you with those eyes, 
You knew I was home with a kiss alone. <laughs> yes, 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 but, but you don't know. You're so selfish. You're so self-centered. I can't even. Be, oh, and, 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 so, and, now, and you've just been judged. Now, most husbands, me included, you get that judgment unloaded on you. You're not going to go, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Because judgment, I just, yeah, and it hurts. Judgment, yeah. Man, it stings. It's coming right from the tree of the knowledge. There's no grace in that. There's no, there's no love in that. There's no, you can't even say that graciously. It's like, yeah. No, I'm not selfish. The next thing you know, you're in an all out fight. Why? Because you're actually in unresolved judgment, pain, conflict, and it just took that one to bring it up again. I'll pick this up next week. I'm running out of time. Let me just jump. Let me just look at my notes for a second. Can we all agree that the path of judgment is really like bad? It's bad. We all agree that. So we have to get off of it, right? How do we do that? Let's, let's just do that. We're going to, the worship team's coming. Number one, decide to stop judging. This doesn't mean decide to look for people judging you. There'll be no end to that one. You, this is about us. And years ago, not that many, when I made this decision, just Holy Spirit, in a, in a moment where I was undone emotionally, undone spiritually, facing some issues in my life, and Christina was being honest and real about some things in her marriage, she's saying, we've got to work on some stuff. You, you, you just have to help me out. You, you, you have to work on some stuff. We have to work on some stuff. I'm going to work on some stuff all together. Okay. And this one got pinpointed. And in that moment, as I just began to say, God, I don't want to participate in this. This is awful. I, I saw it the way I painted it for you today. And I thought, oh my, this is, this, this is not intuition. I called it intuition. I called it, oh, I, I'm a good, I'm a good read of people. Uh, anybody says that to you? Run away as fast as you can go. Oh, I'm pretty good at reading people. You're dangerous. I'm out of here. Yeesh. No, you're not. Nobody is. Only God is. And I made a decision just to give it to Jesus and say, can you show me when this is active? And for a season of time and to this day, the Holy Spirit's really good at going, uh, it smells like judgment to me. And Christine and I have been able to break some pain judgment loops and decide that we're not going to sit in the seat that is reserved for God and God alone. Because when we sit there, we block grace and we block love. And I'll show that to you next week. Healing of our past, our present, and our future is in the tree of life and in the grace of God. God's grace, we don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but only God's grace can heal us from our past. We're talking about finding freedom as a Christ follower. And until judgment, until you get out of the seat of judgment, grace gets blocked, it won't flow. And so that's why it says, it goes on to say, forgive and you will be forgiven. Not forgiven from God, be able to forgive yourself. Being able to receive forgiveness is about people to people. God has forgiven us. But if we're sitting in the seat of judgment, we block grace. We block a capacity to truly forgive. And when we get out of judgment and be able to experience forgiveness, grace begins to flow. It begins with, I just, I got to make a decision. I want to stop. Number two, learn to express your pain and not your judgment. Quick story, important story. 
One of our pain judgment loops is when I uh, feel I'm not being heard in our relationship, I get louder. I yell. And I yelled. Was it past tense? One, no. no. I'm going to put you on the spot. No, I'm still working this out. And so for years, Christina would say, stop yelling at me. And I get frustrated and the pain thing and the loop and, and, and it would just, it would escalate. And the day that we were dealing with this particular issue, it wasn't with judgment from her. It wasn't with the, she just began to, in a safe place, unpack, it has to be a safe place, husbands and wives, as we learn to do this, she expressed pain and not the judgment. She had judged me before for, the, for the raising my voice, but this time she took the judgment off. And I saw in her eyes, her heart, maybe for the first time in this area. And she began to unpack to me and say, I grew up my whole life here in yelling and fighting. And it's not fun to hear it. And something in me closes down. I'm not ignoring you, but I can't. I can't. The pain that begins to rise up when you, the person I should love, that should love me the most and keep me safe. But at that moment, I feel so unsafe with you. I feel so vulnerable. And I feel like I'm back in this place. I saw the pain in her eye. Not only did I see the pain, I saw that I was inflicting it. We never would have gotten there had she not stepped off judgment and into vulnerability. And she shared... And then I was able to share with her, and I go, when you get quiet then, it's out of fear, and you're shutting down. Yes, I thought you were ignoring me. And I grew up being ignored. I grew up not being heard. Nobody really gave a damn about what I thought or said. And so I've learned to raise my voice a little bit so I can be heard. Works good in preaching, not so much in life. In that moment, there was a reciprocation of healing that took place. And a cycle was broken. Why? Because we made a decision not to judge. Then when it was safe, we made a decision, let me express the pain. And what we're doing is we're checking in on the reality, not based on the past, which is number three. Begin to acknowledge your past does affect your present. And you've got to own that. You've got to own that and not carry that through life like it's an excuse for me to be the way I am. And the whole, it's all about me and the world is against me. No, God is for you. As a Christ follower, there's a miracle waiting. And I'm not saying it in a way that it's like, this, is a, this will be a canceling judgment and walking in the freedom of grace will change your life. You'll begin to go, that would have really bothered me five years ago. That would have really bothered me five minutes ago. How come that's not bothering me anymore? Because you now opens your life up to receive grace for healing for things that took place back here that God is saying, I don't want you carrying that baggage through your whole life. I didn't die on the cross so you could laboriously go through life carrying this stuff. But you've got to get out of the pathway of judgment so you can get on the pathway of grace so I can pour out abundantly on you and heal your heart. Own your past. Bring it to Jesus. You will discover the miracle of forgiveness, which is a choice to cancel the debt, which we call vengeance. Jesus, God said, vengeance is mine. Punishment inflicted or retribution extracted for the injury or wrong that I received. God says, that belongs to me too. Let me take care of that. This morning, 
You can break the judgment cycle. You can and you will. And so today, if you're looking at this going, I don't know. I want to tell you, yes, I know. This can be done. But it begins with the decision. I wondered in this room right now, I want to do two things. We're just going to pray. And I took more time than I wanted to today. But uh, we're not worried about that. We just want to just kind of this very moment now as we just put a bow on what Jesus is doing. I believe in this, in this meeting. That's this. If you're here, just every head bowed and every eye closed, just in a prayerful, if you're here today, and just something's being jogged in your own life, in your own marriage, in your own relationships, and you've lived in a string of painful relationships, and this is hard because we were created by God, and we crave relationship at whatever level our personalities, and we all, but we all do. And we're coming out of COVID, and we're going to come back into, out of isolation and back into relational wonderfulness. There are many people coming to harvest that have years of the baggage of broken and judgmental cycles. And we want to have a culture in this house of truly walking in grace one for another. If you're in this room and you go, man, yes, I've been walking on the pathway of judgment. But today I'm making a decision to simply ask the Holy Spirit to begin showing me so I can get off this path. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand up saying, I own it today. I've been walking on the pathway of judgment. I want to get off. All right. So just as heads are bowed and hands are up, you can keep them up if you want. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you today. A decision is the breaking point. A decision is the tipping point. A decision is pulling the Jenga that topples everything over that says, this is it. I'm getting free. I'm dealing with this in my life. I'm going to be a grace giver, not a judgment giver. I'm going to be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. Today, Lord, I thank you for every hand, every heart that is indicating that's their, that's their decision. If you're in this room still with every head bowed and eye closed, and today... It is news to you that God isn't ready to get you. God isn't ready to punish you. But that God loves you more than you could comprehend or understand. And his act of love was to put his judgment for your sin on Jesus on the cross. The Bible says that every single person has an opportunity in their life to choose the antidote of our own sin which is the grace of God that is given to us through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And to take what Jesus gave and make it your own and say, come into my life. Come into my life. I make you Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, but you're here today, something inside, every part of this service, just something was talking to you today going, I want to know more about this. And you may not understand it all, but in this moment, you know you want Jesus in your life. If that's you, slip your hand up so I can see it. Anywhere in this room, I just want to acknowledge it. The rest of us have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Is there anyone in this room that would raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me today. I want to invite Jesus into my life. All right, I don't see any hands today. Could we all stand together? Come on, we're going to build a culture of grace. We're not going to have judgment, and we're going to believe for the miraculous and healing and things that happen like never before. Let's sing this song just before we're dismissed. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I 
just want you and nothing else, and nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you and nothing else, and nothing else, nothing else will do. especially when one is as awesome as today is. It was amazing all being together in one room, in one service, online. I just want to bless you. Have a great week. You are loved. Don't ever forget that. And um, just be blessed. And we'll see you back here again next week.